from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. It can be found on page 977 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. God of Advent, we come here today from many different places. We're very different people, and we're all approaching Advent in different ways. Some of us embrace it fully. We can wait as long as it takes for you to reveal yourself. But some of us grow weary and tired. We're not sure how much longer we can wait for you to show up in our lives. Lord, wherever we are, sustain us in our faith. And remind us that though the darkness within us and around us is deep, there is no darkness within you. So let us cleave to you. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I got some slides here. Excuse me. So these pictures are pictures of the world at night, obviously. These photos were taken just a few years ago and are the first of their kind. These are cloud-free, high-resolution photographs of the world when it is covered in darkness. These photos are interesting because you can see where the cities are. And I don't know if you... Notice, I've always wondered why, but similar magnifications, you cannot see cities during the day. They just blend in. So So these maps are really quite fascinating. If you study these pictures, you begin to notice patterns. You begin to see that cities tend to be placed in obvious locations, near coasts and rivers, and near natural resources. So those are the cities, but what about the dark areas? Most of the map is actually dark. Um, what's, what's, you know, <clears throat> what's going on there? Well, these places are also dark for obvious reasons. Well, there's the open ocean, you have the mountains, 
the deserts, the thick jungles. The dark areas are the wilderness. There's a reason these places are dark. It's incredibly hard for people to live in these places. Of course, some people do spend time in the wilderness, provided they can get to it by car, but few people willingly make the wilderness their home. Because when you have all these other places to live, these cities, why would you choose to live in the wilderness? Well, the Gospel of Mark begins by presenting us with a character, a person who begs exactly this question. A man living in the wilderness, and seemingly of his own choice. He's eating wilderness food, locusts and wild honey, wearing wilderness clothes. That by itself would be kind of odd, but what's even stranger is that he's not alone. According to Mark, it says, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. To say that everybody came out is probably an exaggeration. I can't imagine that the streets of Jerusalem were empty this entire time. But even the historian Josephus describes how masses of people would come to John the Baptist during his ministry. Maybe I could imagine this kind of crowd for something fun, like a outdoor music festival, but obviously it's not. All these people are here, and what are they doing? They're confessing their sins before John and each other in being baptized in the River Jordan. This is a very strange scene. I can't imagine anything like that happening today in our culture. The closest thing I could think of it, think of to it would be maybe a street protest where people gather in mass for some common cause, some moral cause. But there is one critical difference between what we're seeing here and a street protest. In the, in the usual street protest, there is always a call for someone else to repent, some group of people to repent. But have you ever seen a protest where people are waving signs that say, I am the problem, or ban me? <laughs> I have never seen such a protest. That would be really interesting to see, though. I would join that protest. <laughs> it would be more honest, I think. Well, that's never going to happen because nobody wants to see themselves as the problem. Nobody wants to be wrong. Nobody likes being criticized or having their motives second-guessed. That's exactly what this text is calling us to do. So this text from Mark 1, it's a lectionary text, and it's maybe not the one I would have chosen because it is very hard to preach from. 
It's a simple text, it's a short text, but it's also incredibly challenging. And the season of Advent is challenging because of the way it structures the gospel story, the way it focuses it. So if you come to church frequently, we visit different parts of it from week to week. But Advent is different because instead of just going from place to place, it drops us at the very beginning of the gospel, before the parables, before the Last Supper, before the cross, before the resurrection. And in this text, even before Jesus shows up, it's very unusual. At the beginning of Mark's gospel, here is what we're confronted with. We're confronted with this message. Repent and be forgiven of your sins. This is challenging because here the focus is on us. The focus is on our sins and our need for a savior. The focus is on all of these things when maybe we would rather have it on something else. And we could do that, it's not hard. No one's forcing Advent down your throat. No one's forcing you to consider your life and reflect. But I think that this really doesn't work. This can't really work. As much as we might dislike the word sin, when we look at all the turmoil and trouble in this world, I don't think we would come to the conclusion that we would be better served if we just stopped taking sin seriously. If anything, we often find ourselves wishing we took sin more seriously. I've heard many stories this year wishing that people we loved took sin more seriously. But that, again, it's challenging. The season of Advent could also be challenging because of its place in the calendar. It comes at the end of a very, very long year. A long year of sermons listened to. A long year of good ideas never implemented. A long year of bad decisions. A long year of good decisions, too. A long year of failures and successes. A long year of sins never confessed. Of things said in anger or in pride. And for a whole year, it's fine to just keep looking ahead and moving forward until it's Advent, when we finally stop for a moment and look back at all of this. And it's horrible. It's just too much stuff, too much garbage. Finally, Advent can be challenging because it brings us to the wilderness. In the wilderness, we find ourselves more alone than usual, more desperate than usual, more angry than usual, more tired, more afraid.
But here's the thing. Advent brings us to the wilderness. And you might be there and you might be wondering, why, why am I in the wilderness? I would never have chosen to be in the wilderness. I would never have chosen to be here. And that's the point. You are in the wilderness for a pretty good reason. And you might look around and you might look at all the detritus of a year, all the sins and things that accumulate. But then you realize these things that are here with me in the wilderness, but they're not me. These things can be given away. They can be given up. They can be washed away, washed clean. In the wilderness, we look around, we look at this life, and in spite of, in spite of this realization, we still wonder. We still wonder. All of this stuff in this place, in this wilderness. And that's just not, that's not just it though. There's also the wilderness in my heart. The wild, unexplored places in my heart. And you wonder, in this wilderness, would anybody want to make its home in here? Well, the answer that Advent provides is yes. Because God wants to make his home in your heart. And even as our life leads us from place to place, from light to light, from city to city, pursuing the pursuits that we find intriguing, pursuing the people we find intriguing, migrating towards what seems right but ends up disappointing. God has migrated towards us. God has migrated towards us. I think it was really helpful last week when Mark gave us that image from Isaiah 64, I believe, about the potter. And so I want to leave you with another image from Isaiah, which actually comes from the same passage that was quoted in Mark 1, and as, um, which was read in the call to worship. So this is Isaiah 43 through 5. Voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. 
I like this image because in Advent, as we find ourselves in our own personal wilderness, the topography may make it hard to see God at work in the world, just as it's hard for us to feel God's potter's hand upon our lives. But slowly and imperceptibly, God is terraforming the topography of faith. The valleys shall be raised up, the mountains made low, the rough ground shall become level. And from this point we could see, we could finally see what was beyond these obstacles, what was beyond our horizon. And what's more is that when it's finally finished, when this work is finally finished, we will see God moving towards us from Advent to Advent. Let's pray. Lord, continue to challenge us this Advent as we find ourselves facing the rough patches in our lives and trying to distinguish um, the good and the bad, distinguish what should be left behind and what should be kept. And could we rely on you to bring us through not just these five weeks of Advent, but through this long marathon of faith. Pray that you would sustain us in our faith, sustain us in our lives, and would you make your home in our hearts. We pray these things in your name. Amen.